right. Welcome to another edition here of Chop Shop Sports. This is Brian joined by Paul. Just a reminder, remember to follow us here on Instagram on Chop Shop Sports and Chop Shop Bets and on Twitter at Chop Shop Sports 1. All right, Paul, let's get right into it here. We're talking training camp here as we're rolling along here. Week one of the preseason is finally here. One of the things that always worries teams and coaches as we get into training camp is injuries. What are some of the things that you think the NFL and teams could implement to make sure we avoid some of these injuries that sometimes cost teams a chance in their season before it even gets started? Yeah, great to be back, Brian. I think this is a controversy, a subject uh, every preseason. You know, when we were talking about it off air and if we're going to talk about it, you were like, well, there haven't really been any major injuries. I mean, that's true in one sense of no massive names like last year when J.K. Dobbins went down. But uh, Nikhil Harry goes down, and the Broncos lose a wide receiver as well. A couple offensive linemen have been banged up. And every year it seems like before we even start with week one, guys are getting hurt. There's a reason most fans do their fantasy draft You know, before last year. Typically, it was going into the fourth week of the preseason when none of the starters were going to play. And now I think it seems to be after week two of the preseason. But a lot of guys are still going to play week three, so you're still gambling with injuries in in the last week. And I don't know how to cut it down. Uh, I was listening to somebody. uh, It was uh, the coach for the Browns said that fully healthy players don't, don't sit out, talking about Kareem Hunt. And I think a lot of coaches have started adopting that. I don't care that you're a pro, you're going to practice. And I think that's a, maybe that's a step. Coaches understanding that veterans don't need to practice as much as rookies or first three-year guys. And also looking at maybe just shortening the overall body of work. These guys are expected to come into camp in peak performance, like peak shape. They should not be getting into shape come camp. And I know that's another topic every year is a guy out of shape. And and that's just unacceptable if you're a pro. So you can't have it both ways. You can't come into camp out of shape and not want to work in camp. You have to do one or the other. And I think for the league as a whole, it would be best if camp was shorter. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think it's progress that they cut down the preseason from four games yep. to three games. I know that's real popular amongst a lot of uh, a lot of the players. Now, I, I believe now it, it gives them more of an opportunity for practices. And in a sense, that's a good thing because in practice, it's a controlled environment. And in that controlled environment, you can make sure you're not going, you know, this isn't the NFL of the 60s and 70s and 80s where you're doing yeah. three a days and pads each time. And, you know, there's a lot more walkthroughs. There's a lot more shells. So it's definitely a more controlled environment that allows these players to kind of get their get their game ready mentally but also get some physical reps in. Um, you know, we were talking about injuries. One of them that was left off is someone like Jakeem Grant for the Cleveland Browns. Yep. that's a sh- He's a shorter guy. His game was built on speed. And you know that Achilles injury, once that happens, sometimes it's hard to come back. Yep. That, yeah, it's very, very rare. So, I mean, that might be a career ender for him. So it's definitely, it's definitely something the NFL has tried to address. Um, I am excited that, it feels like we're trending towards more players staying healthy going into week one. But I think at a certain point, football is a contact sport. You're going to get freak injuries. A lineman takes the wrong step or, you know, 
he gets rolled up on by the running back or a quarterback going down. Sometimes you just can't avoid it. Uh, but I think the NFL has done a good job of working towards a solution to minimize these injuries before we even get into game action. Yeah, you're, you're right. The, uh, you know, there are those freak injuries. I remember when I was in college, I think it was the first or second practice of the season. And I stepped on, I was driving to the hoop and I stepped on an ankle, broke my ankle. You know, sometimes these things happen when you're playing in a contact sport, so you can't avoid them. Uh, which brings me to what are your thoughts on these bubble helmets that they seem to be wearing? Yeah, I've noticed. So that's mostly for the positions with uh, elevated contact. So I think that's restricted to linemen, linemen, linemen linebackers, and I, I don't know if running backs. Running backs. I, I yeah. think it's some of them are. Yeah, but definitely linemen and linebackers, I've noticed. I, I like it. You got to protect the head, right? You got to protect the head. If you could still go full speed, then then I'm all for it, you know, because you still have to try and simulate game live live game action but if you can still if you can do that while also protecting your head a little bit in practice i'm all for it i mean what's your take on that yeah i think it's interesting uh, i think that they look makes, ugly i mean they, they look do. ugly i think it's good there are good times and bad times for it i think when you're doing drills it, it should absolutely be utilized I, I don't think it should be used during live contact i was listening to one coach talk about how he thinks it's encouraging his defensive guys to use their heads more actually because they're not having that impact because it is protecting them a little bit more um and then you got coaches like mike tomlin who are like hey i'm not a doctor if our docs say this helps we're gonna i think he said if one guy's wearing it it cuts down 10 percent. if both guys are wearing it it's 20 percent yeah um on concussions so you know, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. And if a team goes into week one, wins week one, and stays fully healthy, I, I think there should be no complaints. I, I agree with you 100%. I, I like the idea, like you said, of a Mike Tomlin. Listen to the doctors. Get your full-speed reps in. Give, us, give your players as much protection as possible. I think that goes a long way in the long term, especially now when we're learning so much about these head injuries. Moving on from that, we got a fun episode today. We're talking some top fives. We're talking some, you know, franchises. Are they dysfunctional? Are they not? Let's jump into that, Paul. Yeah. Let's do our countdown. Top five most dysfunctional franchises in the NFL. I'll let you start with your uh, number five. So my number five uh, most dysfunctional franchise is going to be the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I know that they have wow. won a lot of – I know that they have won a lot of games, but the fact that there's this much Aaron Rodgers drama, the fact that they couldn't get a, another Super Bowl for him, the fact that they can't surround him with legitimate weapons. Uh, I don't think they've taken a first-round wide receiver since Aaron Rodgers has been on the team. I think that says a lot about the team. I like, I like that a lot. I, I did not put them in my top five. That's a great one because that front office, I've said it many times, the fans deserve Aaron Rodgers, but that front office yep. does not. Uh, my number five, not. right. My number five is actually on the other side of that rivalry, the Chicago Bears. That's a team that they they have struggled to find. I don't think they've ever had a franchise quarterback. Think about it. Ever. Never. I don't think, I don't think they've had, ever had a guy throw for 4,000 yards. You could make an argument the most talented quarterback the Bears have ever had is Jay Cutler. I mean, it's yep. it's it's a pathetic it's pathetic for such a historic yep. franchise. 
Obviously, they're blue collar. They're known for their defense. They're known for their running games with Walter Payton, and and most recently, you know, the Matt Fortes of the world. Um, but that's a franchise they can't get the right head coach. They had a good run with uh, Lovey Smith. Then they brought in uh, it was Tressman from I think the Canadian Football League, and then Matt Nagy was a disaster with Mitchell Trubisky. Now you hope that it starts to turn around here, but uh, I have them at my number five. Number four for me is going to be a NFC South team. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. I know that there's been a lot of controversy with their owner and stadiums, and there's just been a lot of controversy around their ownership. And they had Ron Rivera, they had Cam Newton. They were really good for about one season. Since then, they have now traded for three former starting quarterbacks. They might bring back Cam Newton. Who knows? Uh Matt rules their coach still. Uh, I think you have a generational talent in Christian McCaffrey, and he is going to go down as the Mike Trout of baseball where he will never win a playoff game uh, in in his career because he's on a horrible franchise. I like it. They definitely had some issues with that ownership, and and even with the new ownership coming in, there's been some bumps along the road. They can't figure out the quarter. That's another team. They, They figured it out with Cam Newton. But it ended ugly, and before that and after that, they've just struggled, even though they're one of the younger organizations. I'm going to go with my number four, a team that I'm a diehard fan of. I've gotten a front row seat to see how dysfunctional they are, Miami Dolphins. That's most recently shown here with the uh, – what, what are they calling this one? The tampering gate? Tampering the Tom gate. Brady, <clears throat> Tom Brady, I... Sean Payton. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I uh, they're my number three team, so I'm going to hop in here. And I heard – I think it's the Dan Lebitard show that this is going to be two episodes in a row where I shout them out. But they were talking about why is everything a gate. They're like after Watergate, which is the name of the hotel. Not <laughs> – like Watergate is not about water. It's about the hotel. And everything is now gate, deflate gate, spy gate, uh, bounty gate. You know, everything's a gate. And uh, so I just wanted to throw that in because they're my number three with yeah. Steven Ross as their owner. Definitely. And, and the Dolphins with Steven Ross as their owner. Listen, there's no doubt he cares about winning. Listen, I, I, I'm okay with my owner going out of his way to try to get Tom Brady and to try to get Sean Payton. But don't get caught. Don't get caught. And obviously he ruined his relationship with Brian Flores. So yep. now you got someone that knows your secrets and was willing to spill them. And going back earlier in his tenure, there was the bully gate with uh, Richie Incognito, Incognito. and Martin. Yep. They, that was ugly. They had uh, they had issues with their front office. And I remember, I believe it was Stephen Ross as well, very early in his tenure, while Tony Sperano was still the head coach. Tony Sperano was under contract, and he flew out to Stanford, I believe it was, where Jim Harbaugh was still the head coach. And while he had one head coach under contract, he was trying to lure Jim Harbaugh openly. Yep. And it was, it's very awkward. That's a very awkward situation. That organization's been in some tough spots. They're my number four. They're your number three. So then I'll jump to my number three. I have uh, one more okay. one more comment. They are also extremely lucky that the person investigating them is more concerned about the shield than the facts. And basically said, Stephen Ross made the comments about I'll pay you a hundred grand to lose for every loss you have. But the investigator said, ah, he was joking. You can't take that seriously. Yeah. Like, 
I, I don't know. I'm sure you've worked for people like when your boss says something, even if it's as a joke, you you think I should probably do this just if it comes out, I'm going to take the fall for it, but I'll still get that hundred grand if I lose. Um, that's kind of where my mind would go, even if he, even if it wasn't a joking manner. Apparently that's his MO is he makes jokes that he doesn't mean, but like for real, an owner of a multi-billionaire says, I'll give you a hundred grand to do something. Even if it's a joke, you, you are going to take that as legit. Yeah. Especially when it's your boss. Yeah. No, that it's, I think Roger Goodell came out and said it, your words matter. It doesn't matter what your intentions are. Yep. Uh, so that was ugly. All right. That was your number three as well. I'm going to go with my number three. I have the Detroit lions. Uh, we get a little up behind the scenes look at them here with Dan Campbell on Hard Knocks. I this is a, this this is a really dysfunctional organization that's never even made a Super Bowl, let alone win one. And they've had a tough time finding their franchise quarterback. Then yep. they happen to find one in Matt Stafford, but they can't yep. put any. I, I think they're cursed. In fairness to Detroit, I think they're just cursed. They had the greatest running back, in my opinion, the most talented running back ever, in Barry Sanders. Yep. He retires early. They had arguably the most talented wide receiver ever in Calvin Johnson, and he retires early. There's something about that organization, and 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 a look most recently with Matt Stafford. You you saw how good he was with Detroit, but they never did anything. One year away from Detroit, he wins a Super Bowl. Yep. So being a Lions fan, you know, there's a couple teams that, you know, if you're a fan of them, I feel bad for you. And Lions fans might be right at the top of that list here because they just I think they're I think they're the most cursed organization in football. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um they're not gonna be on my list only because I think they are moving in the right direction. The same reason the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't gonna be on my list. Although they have been very dysfunctional in the past ten years, they aren't there now and it looks like they have ownership moving in the right direction. They're making the right moves. So it seems like the history is there of, yes, they have been dysfunctional throughout the Jaguars' history, but it looks like they haven't figured out. It seems like that owner in Jacksonville is beloved, and they got rid of Urban Meyer. They brought in a real coach, a Super Bowl-winning coach, and they have their franchise quarterback. Let's see what they can do. So I'm going to give the Jaguars and the Lions a pass this year, depending on how the, the next – 15 months ago, they might be on this list a year from now for me. Yeah. I, okay. I like that. I don't have the Jaguars on my list either. Uh, they were an honorable mention. They were probably number six for me. I'm going to go elsewhere here. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with the Washington commanders. The oh, dance. Shoot. Yeah. The dance. I mean, talk about maybe the worst owner in football, Dan Snyder. All these controversies behind the scenes, obviously a big issue, depending on where you – regardless, I should say. Of where yeah, you regardless stand, of where on, you stand. On, on your opinion of the team nickname, he didn't handle it well. Obviously, nope. it created a lot, of, a lot of pushback. And now fans – a lot of Washington fans hate the new look. They hate the new name. You know, so it's just it's, – it's a really dysfunctional – really dysfunctional organization with a lot of extracurricular stuff outside of football that just is such a distraction, let alone FedEx field up, up there in, uh, in Washington, their, their stadium. I, I believe they had pipe pipe leaks on fans in the middle of games. They had a railing 
like fall apart and almost out. out on top of Jalen Hurts. You're a professional football organization. How do you let the stadium? You don't see this at other stadiums. How, no, at at older stadiums too. You don't see the this. It's it's the, it's negligence on on the ownership part, and it's obvious from every single issue that comes across that organization. Yeah, debatably, the only stadiums worse is the Athletics and the Rays. Might be the only stadiums in sports that I can think of that are worse than that that stadium there. And they're also going to be my number two. They should have seen the writing on the wall of we're probably going to have to change our name. Whether we want to or not, we can fight it for as long as we want. But when you finally say we're going to move away from the Redskins name and logo, you got to have a backup in place. You can't be the Washington football team. I know that that works in soccer because that's how it works in soccer. You know, you're named after your city. It's not in any other major American sport. No other sport in America outside of soccer are you the Washington football team. There's no Cleveland baseball team. There's no Cleveland basketball team. No New York soccer, you know, um, sorry, New York hockey team. Like, it's just not a thing. They should have seen the writing on the wall, had a better plan. And even this commander's plan, like, you don't, in, in major sports, very rarely do you get to come up with a new look, a new image, a new everything, and they drop the ball. They could have done so much better. And the Commanders is a horrible name. So they're going to be my number two as well. Yeah, and I know everyone likes to, to pick apart new looks and new redesigns, but this one is genuinely, I think, terrible. I just They look like an arena football league. The name, yep. fans, I remember as it was coming out, Washington fans everywhere, please don't be Commanders, please don't be Commanders. I mean, at what point do you just go, hey, fans, here's our like five, here's our final five. Let's put it to a vote. Give the fans what they want, especially after all the stuff you put them through. And that's a that's one of the that is one of the ten best organizations in NFL history. And what ever since Daniel Snyder's been there, it's been a train wreck. He he is he has single handedly ruined one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. So my number yeah, one, they, and, and, and yep. I, before we move on, and I would just like to say that I would piggyback on what you said about just how he runs the business. Again, whether whatever your thoughts are on him. This is bad for business, how, how he has treated employees or how he's alleged to treat employees. Bad for business, and it's unacceptable. He should sell the team, retire, take his billions of dollars, go home, live on a beach somewhere, and, and, and forget this whole thing. Move on. You did your damage. Uh, I would like to ask you what name is worse, Commanders or Guardians? Um, I'm going to go Commanders. I'm I agree. Uh, actually, I'm going to disagree with you there. I, when they, the commanders, I had no expectations that they were going to come up with a good name. I had no faith in their franchise, but it seemed like the Indians had a plan. They moved away from the chief Wahoo or Wahoo, whatever the, the Indian was on their hat. They moved to the sea. It seemed like they at least had a plan and then they come out with the guardians. It could have been so much better. Yeah. I mean, I mean that Cleveland, the Cleveland guardians dropped the ball on that one. They had a, it's just sad. I mean, I know, I know people got to be a little more careful with what they say now and picking team names, but uh-huh. that, I, I, I thought both teams dropped the ball on this one. Agreed. Uh, okay. Going to number one, I have, I have the Cleveland Browns. I, I don't know any, I try, I try to come up with a creative list that didn't have Cleveland number one. And I just couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. They haven't been to a Super Bowl since they came back since, since they've been in the NFL. 
You have to go all the way back to the AFL days to see them have any sort of success. And then, I mean, my we can forget about Deshaun Watson for a second. Yeah. What about Johnny Man Johnny Manziel? That was a disaster. Yeah. And I think most people saw that coming out. There's a reason he fell in the draft. Yep. How about in the 2012 draft? That draft saw, uh, if I remember correctly, they had two first-round picks in that draft. You know what? I got to look this up real quick. That's Is that the draft I'm thinking of? I mean, Trent Richardson, I believe, was the fourth pick in one yep. of these drafts. Uh, he, was the, he was the third pick, so he fell behind Andrew Luck, RG3. And is that what it was? Trent Richardson was was three, yes. Okay, great. So that is the draft I'm thinking of. Their next pick, I don't even know if you remember this guy. Uh, what was his first name? Oh, I still got Brandon Wheeler. Brand, Brandon Whedon? Whedon, thank you. That's how terrible he was. Yep. I had to sit Week there 22, and think about it. Or around uh, 22nd pick. And you know he was like, you know he was in his like late 20s when he was drafted, right? So he had a I, he went and tried to play minor league baseball, I believe is what it was, and yeah, he was back. 20, 28, 28 at time of draft. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I want. Let, let, unless you are the next, the second coming of, I mean, Peyton Manning, I'm not drafting you with the with a top thirty pick at age twenty eight. I I don't understand. This organization is incredibly, incredibly dumb. I just dumb. I don't know how else to put it. They're yeah they. The they huge missed. Was a mess. Yeah, and they it, missed on. And here's some guys that were picked instead of him. You've got Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Luke Keekley, uh, Nick, Nick Foles. I'm oh, just you're doing just going, oh, you're just doing quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wilson, Tannehill, Foles, Kirk Cousins. Three of those guys are still NFL starters, and one of those guys who's not starting has won a Super Bowl. And those yep. are guys you miss by picking Trent Richardson. Um, I'm trying to see if there's there's nobody else that was was a big name in that quarterback. A couple back backups, but yeah, you they dropped the ball in that draft. Terrible, terrible. And, and, and the latest one is obviously Deshaun Watson. Giving bad enough that you traded for Deshaun Watson, but to give him that contract before anything has been settled. Fully guaranteed. I, this organization is incredible. Like it's it's fun because just when you thought, just when you thought they had it figured out and things were looking up, and, and Baker Mayfield looked real good his rookie year, then they they just it was just, they're a train wreck. I, I feel bad for Cleveland fans because they deserve yeah. better too. That's one of the top five fan bases. In if football. this if this was 2018, same scenario. You know, this, these allegations are still out there with Deshaun Watson and you trade for him. I get it. You don't have a franchise quarterback. But Baker Mayfield, going into last season, was kind of solidified as, hey, this guy's our franchise guy. He led us to the playoffs. Uh, this, this is We finally found our quarterback. And then he gets hurt. And he doesn't have a great year. And then you get the OBJ drama. And then you're just like, you know what? We are a really bad franchise. You know what we should do. Let's piss off our entire fan base. One of the most loyal fan bases in football. Let's piss them off, or at least piss half of them off, and trade for a guy that has all these allegations. It's, it was a horrible decision. You had a franchise guy. All the other teams that were really in the mix for Deshaun Watson didn't have a franchise guy. 
the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints, I think were the – and the Dolphins, who I would make the same arguments, and that's why they're also on our top five list. Besides, those guys didn't have a franchise quarterback. Saints had Winston, but we all knew – we, we don't know what he is going to be. And the Panthers have Sam Darnold, and Falcons have Marcus Mariota. So it made sense football-wise why they would want to go get this guy. It doesn't for the Browns. It didn't make sense at the time. And now you pissed off a fan base and you got rid of a guy who wanted to win with the Browns and was going to stay there for a long time. It, it, it makes no sense. Number one, all the way around. Worst franchise in football right now. Oh, you, you that's your number one as well, huh? Oh, absolutely. That was a, yeah. that was a no-brainer. No-brainer. Yeah. I, 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 I'll be honest. I sat there and I thought, you know, there's a few teams that we left out. You know, I had Jacksonville. I thought about Houston, obviously on the other end of the Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. buckle. I had them up there, especially with their old owner, Cal McNair. Yeah. Uh, there's a few organizations that just – it was tough. And I tried to come up with a way where I could do anyone but Cleveland. It was just – You can't. It's not – It's just, I can't. I, it is I, really I, vanilla, and we try not to be vanilla, I promise. But it, it, it when you look at right now, it's hard not to have – the Browns and the commanders one and two it's it's and you really you could go either way with them being one and two uh, but it's it's hard not to have them and really the Dolphins could have been higher too they could have been three with what's going on now but at least yeah. they got Tyreek Hill at least on the field the Dolphins are moving in the right direction and, it, and it's just the extracurricular that's the big thing is is there is sometimes, oftentimes, a correlation between dysfunction and success, but not always. Sometimes you can be successful and still be real dysfunctional on and off the field. Um, all right, that was good. I like that. Cleveland, obvious choice. Let's roll around here. We talked some quarterback hot seats in the past. Yep. Now we're going to kind of look at the head coaches in the NFL. There's definitely some coaches. It just You never know. Some coaches get a long time to put the team together, to show success. Some of them, it's quick. You get the rare one and dones. You get two years and you're, you're out. I feel like the timeline for coaches to, to have success with their teams, I feel like it shrunk a little bit, whereas back in the day you get you know four or five years, you get to finish out your contract. Now, it feels like three years is the max, and if you haven't shown that you're a perennial playoff contender, they're looking for someone else. So let's give give me your top five. You can start with number five of your coaches on the uh, on the hot seat. Yeah, so I, I would like to just piggyback on that too. With I think back in the day, the coach was the ownership. It was kind of a part of that ownership group, and they had a lot more say. And it was kind of we'll build around you. We understand that maybe the players that you have aren't the best, but now it's the other way around, where we're just going to pick the best players. And you have to adapt, even if that's not your style. So I'm going to go with number five, Pete Carroll. Uh, I'm really surprised. I would be surprised if he didn't resign at the end of the season. I think he has had a great career. He's getting up there in age. And they, the Seahawks are clearly in a rebuild. And quite frankly, I don't know how long this will last. Unless Drew Locke comes out of the woodwork and is as good as people thought he was going to be out of college. But he's getting up there in age. They're in a rebuild. He had success. Don't don't go out looking bad. Don't don't have kind of a Shaquille O'Neal end of your career where you are so bad at the end it kind of tarnishes 
your legacy. Yep, I agree 100%. I, I like that. Pete Carroll, I have right outside my top five. He's definitely, you know, you've seen Seattle fall off. For me, I'm going to go with a team that's had much less success in the past, uh, let's say, 20 years. Outside of a quick run with Matt, uh, with Rex Ryan, I'm going to go with Robert Sala, the New York Jets. They had a tough time last year. It was ugly at times. I mean, Zach Wilson, Robert Sala, remember, is a defensive-minded coach. Zach Wilson threw more picks than he did touchdowns. Now, that's not unheard of for, for, for quarterbacks, but – in a day like today where things are a little bit more methodical, sometimes a little more efficient, Zach Wilson looked like he was lost at times last year. Uh, I worry about that offense. I worry about his production. And everything is around the quarterback. We, we looked at it with Miami, right? We can draw it back there. Brian Flores, obviously some off-field stuff contributed to him not being there. But his development of Tua Tungabailoa is what cost him the playoffs the past two seasons. So – I worry that another down year for New York, especially in a division with Miami and Buffalo looking good, and you can never count out Bill Belichick. I worry that another year of three, four, five wins and a bad production, bad progression for Zach Wilson could cost Sala his job. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think there, I think he has two more years just because they are so young. I think he is a... Uh, I think he has a chance to build with them. Uh, my number four is going to be Brandon Staley for the Chargers. Uh, we look at a guy that had a good year last year with the with the Chargers, and they have one of the most talented football teams in the league right now. And if he doesn't have a great year, if they aren't a playoff team this year, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on. I, I wouldn't say he's – on the verge of losing a seat. And I think this is kind of a wild card one, but absolutely. If they don't have a, at least playoff run this year, he, he's gone. I like that. I'm actually going to go here. Number four, I'm going to go Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Now I know he made it to the Super Bowl there in 2020. They had a real good team set up. Now all this confusion here with Jimmy G that, you know, what's going to happen there? Where is he going to go? We know he's not going to be the quarterback in San Francisco. And now you're relying on this young Trey Lance. Now you can tell, I, I believe it was pretty well understood. Trey Lance was the pick for San Francisco. A lot of people at the time thought they were going to go for Mac Jones in the draft. Yep. They went for Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan saw something in this kid. We haven't heard the best of things coming out of camp, both this year and last year of Trey Lance. I have I have hope that he can reach his potential, which I think is incredibly high. But I'm not holding my breath on what his floor is because I worry that his floor is him never becoming a viable starting quarterback in the NFL. A lot of that rests on the offensive guru of Kyle Shanahan. I'm, I'm skeptical right now. I, I don't like some of the moves this team has made in the offseason. I have him at number four as kind of an under-the-radar coach to watch for if they underachieve again this year. You know, this is funny because I imagine we're going to have similar top threes, except for one. And I think it's funny how we went from a very vanilla top five to where uh, I imagine Matt Rule and Lovey Smith not going to be in your top five. As no. they're not in, and they're not in mine just because I expect them to not be long-term answer. So I do like that this is not a vanilla top five list. Um, 
So number four, I'm going to go with – we just oh, we just did number four. So we're on number three now. I'm going to go with Frank Reich uh, for the Colts. Just like we talked about uh, either last podcast, two podcasts ago, with debatably the most dysfunctional good team right now where it's amazing that they can't find an answer at quarterback. If Frank Wright doesn't lead this team not only to a divisional win and a playoff win, I think he's out for the Colts and they're finding a, a new coach next year. He's also 60 years old, so I think as the game moves younger, a lot of these new Head coaches are under the age of 40. So I think that's just the way the game is going right now. He has one playoff win, but if he doesn't get another and a divisional title this year, he's gone, especially with the guys that they have, the best running back in the league, some of the best defensive players in the league, and a quarterback that's been to a Super Bowl. If they don't do it this year, he's gone. I like it. I'm going to go number three here. I'm going with Cliff Kingsbury. And you know I'm a big Arizona Cardinals supporter here I, I i love that or i love not the organization let me rephrase that i like the team they have put together and i'm a big fan of kyler murray i think a lot of people got their hopes up here after after not last season but the year before i think they expected more last season they didn't get it i think we're gonna see a step up this year but if we don't i can see that organization which has shown a lack of patience in the past i can see them making a move saying, hey, let's get someone else in here that can maybe make this work with Kyler Murray because that organization is built to win. They're built to win now. And so if we don't get those results, I know they're in a tough tough division there. San Francisco can kind of go either way. Seattle's obviously on the downtrend trying to rebuild, but the Rams are going to be tough. In a weak NFC, though, if you can't make the playoffs with Kyler Murray as your quarterback, then I think there's some real shakeup that needs to be done. So I have Cliff Kingsbury there at number three. And I will touch on him later in this top five because my number two is Mike McCarthy. Uh, The Cowboys could have been in our top five dysfunctional franchises, to be quite frank. They haven't really done much uh, since the turn of the century. And this team is really good in a very weak NFC. So if they are not in the – I'm going to say – If they don't have a playoff win, he's gone. If they don't win the division, he's gone. If they don't make, if they don't make the NFC championship game, he's probably gone. He's another coach that's a little bit older. He won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, but as we talked about the Packers franchise, he only won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Like, how does that happen? And we're getting to the point now. I think this is his third or fourth year. And they were right on the doorstep when they got rid of Jason Garrett and they bring him in and they still aren't better. They're still having the same problems that they've had. You got probably the second best dual running back room behind the Browns with Zeke and Tony Pollard. You have a top 10 quarterback in Dak Prescott and you have some of the best wide receivers in football. And finally, they have a good defense now. There's no reason this team isn't the second or third best team in the NFC this season. And if they're not, it's his fault he goes. I like it. I'm going to go somewhere crazy here. Now bear with me. My number two head coach. Oh, don't, don't say it. Bill Belichick. I knew that's where you are, oh, man. We're on the same, same wavelength. I can't believe you went there. Now, hear me out. I'm not coming from this at the perspective of Robert Kraft, the owner, who's going to fire Bill Belichick after this year. 
I believe Bill Belichick has built up enough gratitude within that organization that he has a lifetime contract and he can keep doing what he's doing until he no longer wants to. That's where I have him at number two. Look at the team that they have right now is terrible. The, the, the Patriots right now, in my opinion, that roster, if you remove Bill Belichick, is a bottom five roster in the NFL. They have a solid defense, but again, I believe that is amplified because you know that Bill Belichick is calling the shots. I don't trust Mac Jones. I've said this many, many times. Compare it to the narrative of Tua, both quarterbacks coming out of Alabama. One was projected to be the number one pick originally in his draft. The other was Mac Jones. People had him in the second round up until the final final two weeks leading up to the draft. One guy was drafted with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. The other guy was drafted with Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, who had an Urban Meyer year. So they have similar stats. But because one plays for the Patriots and was the best-looking one in his rookie class, he has has this – somehow he was a Pro Bowler last year, which is – I mean, what a shame to the Pro Bowl, which is already a joke to begin with. And the other is Tua, who people have been calling for a job. And people forget he's coming off the Bo Jackson hip hip injury. So the narrative is very skewed, but the reality of it is Matt Jones will never be Tom Brady. He'll never be Pat Mahomes. He'll never be – Matt Ryan, in my opinion. Matt Jones, I think his ceiling is Jimmy Garoppolo. I really, really do. And I know that would upset a lot of people. But if you're Bill Belichick, you're looking at a pretty terrible roster. Your number one receiver is Devontae Parker, who would have been the fourth or fifth best receiver on this year's Dolphins team. Your defense is good because of you, not because of the players on that roster necessarily. And your quarterback, his ceiling is average at best, in my opinion. That, coupled with Buffalo and Josh Allen about to take over that division for the next decade, we'll see what happens with Tua, but Miami's got a much better roster than New England does. And New York, honestly, the Jets, with this past couple drafts they've had, they might have a better roster than New England by the end of this season. So if I'm Bill Belichick at 70 years old, do you want to stick around for a rebuild? Do you want to stick around while you tread water? I don't know. I don't think he does. Maybe. I just don't see it. I have him at number two because if New England has the type of year that I think they're going to have, I would not be surprised if Bill Belichick decides to hang it up and not risk three, four, five years of mediocrity. Like you talked about with Pete Carroll, go out before it gets too ugly. So I think you, I think we're on, and the people listening are probably thinking different things when we're saying the quarterback hot, or coaching hot seat. Pete Carroll might get fired after this year. Like you said, Bill Belichick's not getting fired, and he will never get fired. Just like Nick Saban could go 0-12 the rest of his coaching career, and Alabama will still give him the most money of any SEC coach. Bill Belichick has earned that right. I think you make good points about the New England Patriots, and I think when you were talking about Mac Jones' ceiling, my mind also went right to Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think you we could see him retire. I think that's perfectly valid. But there is in no way, shape, or form a hot seat under Bill Belichick. Let me that, let me rephrase. He is let sitting me, in let me, the let, let me rephrase this real quick. I could see Robert Kraft persuading Bill Belichick, hey, take an ownership role within the team. Just don't coach the team anymore. Because that roster that he's built as a general manager slash head coach is terrible. 
And if it wasn't for him being as good of a head coach as he is, they would not have this continued success that they've that they've had. I think last year was a fluke, and I think they're going to come back down to earth. That's uh, he's. I, I just looked up. He was ranked the number three head coach right now, and I mean the dude's won seven super six Super Bowls. Um, he is seventy years old, so I do think him stepping aside is totally valid. So um, we'll move on from there. So I we could debate that all day long. My number one is going to be Cliff Kingsbury. So just for some statistical analysis, Cliff Kingsbury has coached nine total seasons, three in the NFL, six in, at Texas Tech. How many winning seasons does he have, Brian? I'm going to go with three. Three. His first year was eight and five at Texas Tech. Then he had a seven and six year in 2015 with, I believe, Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. How many playoff? And then he had his 11 and six year last year. Uh, how many playoff wins does he have? We're talking NFL playoffs and bowl games in, in college. How many playoff wins does he have? I'll go with one. He has one. One right. bowl game. And I think I think when he got hired, people were, were baffled that he was going to be the head coach. And I, I think everything he has done has proven – the people that were nervous about this, correct? So I'm absolutely putting him on the hot seat because if he does not go to the NFC championship game, same way with Mike McCarthy, you you got to move on. You've already picked your side. You're saying we're going with Kyler Murray. There's no moving on from Kyler Murray. You got to move on from the coach. This roster is solid. There's no reason even in a tough, NFC West, where I think they're the second best team behind the Rams. As much as I don't like them, they're probably a top six, at a minimum top seven. You argue probably top five. I say they're the sixth best team in the NFC right now. There's no reason they're not a playoff team and they don't win a playoff game. So if they lose in the NFC championship game, he keeps his job. Quite frankly, I don't think if, I think if he doesn't get there, he's gone. Uh, It's, it's, it is what it is. He's not a proven head coach. He kind of has been gifted all this stuff, this mantle, and he has not ever lived up to it. So if he doesn't have a good year and Kyler Murray stays healthy, he's gone. His buyout is if Kyler Murray gets hurt, kind of like he did last year. Kyler Murray gets hurt, he can stay. But if he doesn't, he's out. You really, you really don't like the Cardinals, do you? I think they are the most overrated team in football right now. Um, I think Kyler Murray, his skill set doesn't correlate with a long-term NFL career. You look at dual-threat quarterbacks typically don't have the longevity, and he's also small. If you're going to be small, you need to be – you look at a Drew Brees who was a pocket passer. He did it forever. I don't think Kyler Murray has that type of accuracy, and his legs will one day give out on him like they did with Michael Vick like they did with Cam Newton, like they'll do with Lamar Jackson. And it's the reason Lamar Jackson doesn't have a long-term deal is because teams typically don't gamble on running quarterbacks. All right. All right. I disagree. I think that's a little high on Cliff Kingsbury there uh, for the hot seat, but all your points I think are reasonably valid. I'm well, you, go, I'm, you look at, of all the coaches, and who's your number one, before, and you can give your analysis after my point, but who's your number one? Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland. Okay. So besides 
besides Kevin Stefanski, which of the coaches that we name have a better roster than Cliff Kingsbury? And we didn't even include the coaches that are going to get fired, the Lovey Smiths, the Matt Rules, the coaches who just aren't going to aren't going to last, and we know that. All these other coaches are proven coaches in the NFL. Which one has a a, a, a better roster besides maybe Kevin Stefanski and maybe maybe McCarthy in Dallas? Yeah, I was going to go with McCarthy in Dallas, but that's yeah, a fair enough point. That that's why I had him on that list. I think at number three for me. Because yep. you, your excuses are running out. That team is built to win now. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to go, and I just touched on it, Kevin Stefanski. Again, it correlates a little bit with what we talked about with dysfunctional franchises. Cleveland has no problem churning through head coaches. And now you really messed up if you're Kevin Stefanski here. The bar was really low with Freddie Kitchens. I mean, Freddie Kitchens couldn't have set the bar any lower. But then – Stefanski came in and he failed with Baker Mayfield. He failed. And that was, that was the reason you brought him in. You had these hopes for Baker Mayfield and you failed. And I don't want to hear that. Well, they went to the playoffs. That roster was so good that I I think a baboon could have led them to the playoffs. That was a really (laughs) talented roster. And he failed to, to help Baker Mayfield take the next step. And so I know a lot of that had to do with injury, but, you could see the regression in Baker Mayfield's game. He looked better as a rookie with, what was it, Hugh Jackson or Freddie Kitchens as the interim coaching him. Yep. So that was it was really a shame what happened there. And now with the Deshaun Watson debacle, you might not have him. You're not going to have him for at least six games. There is a chance you might not have him for a whole season. At some point then, you got to get judged on your win-loss record because this is not a raw – this isn't a rebuild. Let's not fool ourselves. Kevin Stefanski was brought in to win now. That roster was built to win now. He has not done that. We've seen a lot of a lot of you know his his relationship with OBJ was tenuous to say the least. Granted, that happens to a lot of people that come around OBJ. Yep. But Jarvis Landry also wanted out real quick, so he upset a lot of the talent on his roster. He did not produce with Baker Mayfield, and now with the Deshaun Watson debacle you are still responsible for this team and what they do next season. If Cleveland does not make a deep, I think if Cleveland does not make a deep playoff run, I think Kevin Stefanski is on the way out the door and they'll find someone else that Deshaun Watson can handpick for 2023. I, I don't think they need to make a deep playoff run to, I think if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, and this, this is pending if they trade for Jimmy G or not, but if Jacoby Brissett is their quarterback and they have a around 500 either nine and eight or eight and nine I think he gets one more year with Sean but we've we've seen this in other sports where uh, Mark Jackson was on the doorstep and they got rid of him to go to Steve Kerr and if Mark Jackson stays we probably see the same success from the Warriors Uh, maybe they don't come back 3-1 from the OKC Thunder but we still see that same success. Like you said, anybody could have coached Steph, Clay, and KD to a title. So I, I think that's kind of the best similarity is the Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr, Kevin Stefanski, the whoever's next. It's kind of right there. The Browns will probably move on from him, but if they don't, they probably are going to be good 
when Deshaun Watson comes back. All right, we're going to move on here. Last topic we're going to cover here. We're going to go quick, Paul, on this one. New game we're playing called Buy or Sell. I give you a buy statement. Or sell. You tell me whether you buy it or you're selling it. All right, number All right. one. Patriots finish last in the division, and Mac Jones regresses. I'm going to sell. I think they're third in the division, and I think Mac Jones is stagnant. So I'm going to sell your statement, but uh, I don't. I don't really. I I'm pretty close to buying it, as I said. Yeah, I'm I'm buying that one. Uh, I I kind of covered that a little bit when we talked about coaching hot seats. This roster I don't trust. And again, I think Mac Jones is the most overrated player in the NFL because for some reason, since he's on the Patriots, everyone thinks he's golden. I think he's incredibly overrated, and it's not his fault. It's the media's fault. All right, moving on. Number two, Tua finally becomes a star like everyone thought he would be. Buy or sell? I'm going to buy this one. You got Tyreek Hill and uh, Waddle. A great running back room, a great new head coach that's offensive-minded. I think this offense is very creative. I think they find an AFC wildcard spot. And I am buying the statement that Tua is a top 15 quarterback by the end of the year. Probably not top, maybe even top 10 fantasy-wise, but talent-wise top 15 by the end of the year. I buy it. Now, I'm biased, you know that, but I am going to buy this statement. I'm going based off facts, though. There's been reports coming out that he's having an incredible training camp. They just got done with a, with a joint camp, uh, joint practices against the Tampa Bay Bucks. That's a very good defense in Tampa Bay, and the word is he lit them up. So this kind of goes in line with what we were hoping we'd see with all these new weapons, an improved offensive line. You know your boy Teron Armstead from New Orleans? Yep. He's, he will anchor that offensive line. Give Tua some athletes and some weapons like he had at Alabama as opposed to Lynn Bowden and Preston Williams, et cetera, et cetera. Give him some athletes at wide receiver, and let's see what he can do. It sounds like it's starting so good at training camp. I'm going to buy that one. All right, uh, moving on. If Deshaun Watson is suspended for the whole season, the Browns will trade for Jimmy G. Bye. 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 Absolutely. He is the best available quarterback right now. I think he's a top 20 quarterback in this league. And with Jimmy Garoppolo in that running back room, in that defense, they win the division. I, I buy that statement. And quite frankly, I would probably trade for him now because his the asking price will be lower. The 49ers want to do right by Jimmy G. And this gives Jimmy G an opportunity to, to be on a great team. And if he has success there, he probably gets a starting job maybe in Atlanta, maybe in Carolina, maybe, um, you know, one of these other markets that, that has a fringe starting quarterback by that. You know, I wish I could disagree with you, but I'm going to buy on this one. I, I just don't know a better spot for Jimmy G than Cleveland. The opportunity is there at least for six weeks. If you're Cleveland, you can't, if you start six games with Jacoby Brissett, you are giving up on your season before you even have a chance. I think they would have to make that move. Uh, reports came out today that they are looking at that possibility if a suspension is increased for Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to buy that one. I think that's a real likely scenario. Maybe even if Deshaun Watson doesn't get suspended. Because, like I said, this is a team that can win now. You can't sacrifice six weeks of the season. 
Agreed. All right. Buy or sell. Buy or sell here. Going to the Giants. Tyrod Taylor will replace Daniel Jones by week 10. Sell. Absolutely. I I am higher on Daniel Jones than a lot of people are. I, I think he has enough mobility to make it in this league. If he cuts down the turnovers, which he was doing last year, remember he had a horrible team. He's had a horrible team since he's been in New York. And he hadn't had his best player in Saquon Barkley, what feels like ever. So if Saquon stays healthy, he cuts down the turnovers. I think the Giants come in second in the NFC least. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Um, I'm going to buy this one. We're going to disagree on this. I think Daniel Jones might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, he, I haven't seen flash. I don't even see flashes from him. It's just – the turnovers are incredible. I, I, I've never seen a quarterback turn the ball over like him, except for maybe Brett Favre. But Brett Favre at least had those crazy heights that Daniel Jones won't even come close to. I think Giants fans are running out of patience. I think they brought in Brian Dable one year. Can you fix Daniel Jones? If not, go pick another quarterback. Yeah, Just I, like I don't the think... Dolphins with Mike McDaniel. I think, I think this is it for Daniel Jones. And I don't anticipate he's going to have a good start to the season. I think Tyrod Taylor will be in there. By week nine or week ten, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree and disagree with your statement. I think he fixes Daniel Jones. The same things I said about Tua last pod. I think with Daniel Jones, he hasn't had an off season to improve. He hasn't had a good coach. He had Joe Judge, who was a special teams coach, coaching him up. I think if they stay healthy, he makes the progression, and we're gonna see that with a lot of young guys. That their progression, they might take a big step this year. The step that you normally take between year one and two, they're going to make this year in year two to three or three to four, just because COVID really ruined their off seasons the last couple of years. So, and I also don't see a reason why Terod Taylor would start for them. If they're in week nine, I think their season's already, if they're thinking about a quarterback change, it's too late. All right. Last one by yourself. Patrick Mahomes has a down year without Tyreek Hill. So I was, when, I, when you sent these over, I was thinking, which one's Brian going to buy? And which ones are he going to sell? I think this is the only one that you sell. Can you repeat the question? Patrick Mahomes will have a down year without Tyreek Hill. I, I'm going to buy it, and I guess it's a little unfair. I don't think it's because there's no Tyreek Hill, but I just think in general he's due for a step back. And uh, I'm not saying he's not a great quarterback. I'm not saying he's not going to be a top five, top ten quarterback. I just don't think he he has very little room to get better. And he still doesn't have a great offensive line. He lost his best weapon. He's still got Kelsey. Um, I want to say they're, uh, they got Juju Smith, yep. Schuster there now. So it's in that, yep. no, no comparison between him and Tyreek Hill, obviously. But I don't think he's going to have an issue weapons-wise. But I just don't think um, – he has a great year, and I would say he's not top five for MVP voting at the end of the year. See, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you here. I, I'm going to sell this one. I, I Just like I knew you would. I, I was four and I was five and zero. Oh, I knew you were going to buy the first four and sell this one. Just by the way you phrased it, I knew you were going to buy uh, sell it. I think a lot of the things you think, I'm similar with that. Tyreek Hill is arguably the most dynamic weapon in football. But I also believe that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. And I don't think it's relatively close. I know a lot of people are high on Josh Allen. 
I am too, but there, I think there's another level that Patrick Mahomes is at. I, I, I don't think he misses a beat. I think they will miss Tyreek Hill at times, but Patrick Mahomes is too good. Andy Reid is too good. Travis Kelsey is too good. They're going to find a way to not miss Tyreek Hill as much as some people are going to think. And that's coming from me, who thinks Tyreek Hill will make a big difference for the Dolphins. But Patrick Mahomes, I've gone on record saying it before. I think he's he's Dan Marino, but with 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 some legs. I I think the he's only much thing talented. he's that talented. The only thing Patrick Mahomes needs to do to become the best quarterback, the most talented quarterback of all time, not to go, but the best quarterback of all time is start taking what the defense gives him. And I think when Tyreek Hill was there, they were trying for too many home run shots. And I think it was against the Bengals where they were just like, hey, if you want to take eight-yard gains all the way down to the red zone, we'll give it to you. He didn't want to take that, had a couple turnovers. They're not Super Bowl champs. Um, And I think they would have been the Super Bowl champs had they beat the Bengals. So if he can improve that, and I think taking Tyreek out of the equation might help that where, hey, I can throw it to any one of my guys. I don't have two guys to throw it to. I can throw it to all five of my options. Now, if he does that, he takes that step forward, and I'm wrong on this take, but I don't know if he does that because he had a chance to do that in one of the most critical times of his career, and he didn't do it. So, Yeah, and, and just to be clear, I, I, don't think he takes, I don't think he takes necessarily a step forward. But well, I don't he can't. It's, it's hard. hard. It's hard when you're that good. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think he takes a step back though. Now I listened to someone, and you were you kind of touched on it a little bit there with having, you know, being able to go to all your weapons versus just focusing in on Tyreek. I, I did hear someone, I think it was on ESPN. I can't remember who it was, that said, "No, this is good for Patrick Mahomes." Listen, no, it, it's not good for anyone when you lose the second best receiver in football. That's not yeah. good for anyone. There's no point in trying to spin it any other way. But if we're purely focusing in on Patrick Mahomes, I don't think he will skip a beat without Tyreek Hill because of he's just too talented, and I trust Andy Reid too much. And that's kind of where I'm coming from on this one because it's that's that's baloney, that's malarkey. If you think if you think you're better off without the second best receiver in football, all right. Finishing up, wrapping up on that one here, Paul. Thanks for joining yep. me today. We'll get back on this later this week. Just a reminder here to follow us on Instagram here at Chop Shop Sports and Chop Shop Bets. Also on Twitter at Chop Shop Sports One. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon.